There you go. Another episode where we give zero advice. (laughs) Zero advice to people because we don't really believe in giving people advice because we are not professionals. Welcome to uh, Meet Me in the Middle, the podcast where we mostly just talk about whatever we want to and don't tell you to do anything. Okay. So, um, I'm, we're gonna have a little like chat today and Lee, you unknowingly spurred this chat. Um, (laughs) it's good. So to little context. So right now, so we are actually going to put this live on Monday. So today is May 31st. So first week of June, this is going to air. So people listening, this is like fresh content. So about two weeks ago in my life, For context, I have a nine-year-old, a six-year-old, and a three-year-old. And my nine-year-old, this is the first year that like things like sports and whatnot felt like a lot. Mm -hmm. And it felt a lot at this time of year, which really caught me off guard. Mm -hmm. And Lee knows this because I talked to her all the time about it. So Lee, for those of you who don't know Lee, um, listen to the intro episode because she'll tell you a bit about this. But (laughs) Lee is actually a former high-level cheer coach and judge and very familiar with the cheer world. And I have kids in cheer and I am not familiar with the cheer world, especially since they started cheer during COVID, which is very not reflective of not, not normal, not normal at all. Not normal. So this was the first year that my kids had in cheer. They're called assessments. It's basically a tryout, Mm -hmm. but they do it like in the June before the September season. So it's like very far in advance of the season. And Oh, good gracious. Did it feel like a lot for somebody who has never experienced Mm -hmm. this now in talking to friends who have kids in competitive, anything, this is a ridiculous time of year Yeah, or competitive, anything, uh, and maybe for recreational programs, I'm not totally sure. Um, but then I mentioned it to Annika. I was like, Holy shit balls. This is ridiculous. How much is happening right now? And Annika's like, dude, my kids in musical theater. And this is going to be a super busy time of year for musical theater kids Mm -hmm. because her daughter's a bit younger. So next year will probably be the first year she gets this. And then Lee was like, dude, there's this whole thing. There's podcasts I listen to. This time of year is called Christmas (laughs) 2.0. And without any description of what Christmas 2.0 was, I was like, oh my God, yes, it is. This feels like the lead up to Christmas. Um. I would say with nicer weather, but, um, not actually, if you are in the lower, we still have the fireplace on in my house. So there you go. (laughs) Totally. So that's part one for what we're going to chat a little about here. Part two came this last week when there was a really heavy, um, week in terms of, um, world news. So there was a whole bunch of kids murdered in a school because, once again, and this isn't a political statement, there is no common sense gun control in the States. You can make that political if you want, but there is literally no common sense gun control. The, in the, the data shows that there's a lot of research. That there's a lot that. of if research. We, if we really want to take the value judgment out, we can say there is no uh, structural gun control in the States. <laughs> yeah, that's, <laughs> that's right. very good use of the word structural. I'm Yes. <laughs> and what happened last week was... Um, Lee had a really good self-identifying moment where she was like, I cannot consume this anymore and sent us a voice memo in our little group thread and was like, guys, I can't, I can't listen to this. I need to tune out from the news 
like basically if you guys want to talk about world events can you have it as a separate conversation and it was such a good boundary like a really respectful boundary and it kind of was like it felt so good to hear somebody really respectfully state a boundary and then be like fuck yeah how cool are we as humans that we can just say like guys, this is a hard topic for me. I really need to check out from it. I just can't not because I don't care, but because I care too much. Yeah. I and literally care. I literally you care, care too much. much. Yeah, mm-hmm. totally. And you can't do anything about it. And you recognize that. No. So this has felt, I think categorically like a busy, hectic, overwhelming, a lot mm-hmm. past few weeks. Mm-hmm. And I a hundred percent guarantee that if the three of us are feeling that way, there's at least a relatively reasonable subset of the population that is also feeling that way. Oh my gosh. Totally. <laughs> so, so I, I, I had no idea that this is what we were talking about today, but I can so talk about these things because, mm-hmm. um, I mean, they literally have to do with me. So I heard the term Christmas 2.0 from the pantsuit politics, um, podcast. Um, I, I enjoy those ladies. And I enjoy their perspective on things, but they're also quite funny and they come up with, you know, funny things. And so basically the whole idea is that May and June, depending on where you're at in Canada, I think it's probably both May and June. I imagine in parts of the States when they're done school at the very end of May, it's probably mostly just May. You have to deal with all of the wrap up before summertime stuff. Mm -hmm. So all your kids sports, all the spring sports, all the performance stuff, all the competitive stuff, all the extracurriculars are wrapping up. And then also there's an intensity within school, especially as your kids are getting older, there's an intensity within school that is building because again, it's end of semester and, you know, final projects and presentations and la la la. And the demands on time for kids and parents goes right up in the exact same way that it does in late November, early December, when you have a (laughs) like Christmas cookie decorating thing at the Mm -hmm. kindergarten and your kids Christmas, this, that, and the other thing. And the choir is doing this. And then you need to go and see their, the Christmas card they made in their classroom and the blah, blah. You have to be everywhere all of the time. And it's a little, to me, when she spoke this idea of Christmas 2.0, I was like, God damn, that is so correct. Because Mm -hmm. we all know that this time is really intense, but to name it like that, like Mm -hmm. build up to Christmas just felt so accurate. You know, Jenny was talking a lot about, you know, the cheer wrap up, which I 100% understand. Um, We were dealing on our end. Our daughter is in musical theater. She's, um, you know, did a whole performance of Matilda. She's had great, like it was, this is more beginning of May, but crazy amounts of rehearsal schedules. She was like rehearsing eight hours a day for like a full week leading up to four performances over two days. Mm -hmm. And all Um, that stuff comes up last minute too. They're like, Oh, by the way, we're adding an extra this, by the way, we need people to drive the kids there. Yeah. I got it. By the way, morning, we need more drivers for track tomorrow. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's just like last minute asks left, right and center. And also as per, and we're a new family to this particular studio. So it was like, as per usual, here's the parents sign up to provide dinner for 24 <laughs> cast members and 12 crew members and a snack and a this and this. I was like, holy shit. Like, oh, and by the way, uh, I sent a note home to you. Can you read these, um, you know, staging notes over with your daughter? And also she needs an, like an adjustment on her costume. So it's just this very intense and very, Im- there's a lot of immediacy. 
it becomes very difficult mm-hmm. to plan mm-hmm. accordingly mm-hmm. to sort of feel like you've got any kind of pacing <laughs> happening. Right. Um, you know, one of the things that myself and um, my, my good girlfriend who um, she and I are doing our master's degrees together, our big goal through our master's is to graduate this damn thing without being a total disaster, mm-hmm. as in really putting front, you know, sort of at front of center to have as good as possible, a set, like a well-regulated central nervous system through all of it. Because if I'm going through my freaking master's to figure out how to become a counselor to help people regulate their central nervous systems, I don't know, maybe I should try and put some of that shit into practice. Huh? Right. <laughs> so, so this becomes our goal and it's really difficult in months like this when totally. the, there's all the things plus the weather is at least in some ways is getting a little nicer. It is definitely a very cold and rainy spring in BC, but it's very green. I mean, here in the Okanagan, it is like, it is like the lushest most gorgeous place ever. We want to be outside. We want to do more things. Like you want to get for me. I'm like, I got to get my garden in. I got to do right. Like there's just a lot. There's a lot lot. happening. And I think, I think you're right, Jenny. Like it's not necessarily something that we always talk about, but I do think that sort of naming it is a good idea. I feel like anytime you can name something, it kind of just makes it less, it makes it actually a thing versus just an experience. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like where you're like, Oh my gosh, um, is there something wrong with me? Cause I can't <laughs> handle all this stuff. And then if you know, if like you can call it something, it just makes it more tangible. And it almost like takes a little bit of the, I don't know, pressure off of the whole thing. If you can just like name it. Well, that's just it. I mean, as soon as you can name it and go, Hey, are you having this too? Then any kind of like internalized like shame or not mm-hmm. enoughness or it must just be me everyone else seems to be fine mm-hmm. you know evaporates and mm-hmm. i mean that is the benefit always of of sort of talking about you know what's going on because let's put it this way maybe you are the only person who's really struggling with something then maybe that's an indication that you might just need a little bit of extra support in some Mm -hmm. way or another. And that's good. That's a good thing. Right. But if you speak something out and you go, God damn, my kid has got 468 things I have to do this week with them. Do you? And you're like, Oh, 812 things, like all of the things. (laughs) Right. And you're like, good. Okay. It's not just me. Like I'm like swamped. I haven't done laundry since like for five years, I feel like, because I literally can't even get there because I'm just a chauffeur driving bodies around Mm -hmm. dropping off snacks and orange slices and water bottles and you know, all the stuff. Now I do want to just really also say, uh, it's a lot and it's also a tremendous privilege to get to do this big time. Annika, like yesterday, got to go on a kid's field trip. And she was like, so stoked because she hasn't got to do that. It's so, it's just so, again, I recognize that I have the privilege to have built a life where, um, where I get to do that, where yep. they, they have a last minute call for parent chaperones and I can put my hand up and roll in, you know, 24 hours later. And it, let me tell you, we do not pay teachers enough money. No, no, no we do not. No, we do no. not. I had to come home and literally lay down on my couch. I was like, <laughs> no talking to mama for a few minutes. We're good. Yeah. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. But I mean, like a lot and it's a privilege and it's still a lot and it's still Mm -hmm. a lot. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, getting to have kids that are doing all this extra stuff 
is a privilege in and of itself. And then also you're like, whoa, Nelly, I didn't realize that I was signing myself up for a full-time job of dealing with my kids, like mm-hmm. fun time, lifetime. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. cause it is, it really it's is actually a full-time job. I was actually thinking this morning that people seem to have this idea that when your kids are little, um, once they're in school, things get easier. I actually feel, and I actually think that was maybe true, but now that my oldest is wrapping up grade three, this is like the year that they do track. Well, guess what? My kid got selected of the top five. Like they took the fastest four girls and four boys to go, you know, yeah, you've been selected for this extra track stuff. Well, great. Like Mm -hmm. good for her. And it's awesome. And I want to be there and she loves it. But then it's like three times a week getting those pink permission slips. Okay. You're going here. You're going here. You know what we're going to do? Cause our school doesn't have a track. We're actually going to drive them to a track yesterday so they can practice like their handoff for the relay on a track, which is great. You need parents to do that. Mm-hmm. You need like, and when your kid goes, can you take me? And you're like, well, I have a lot of stuff to do, but oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think the other thing that this conversation really highlights for me is that we really continue to operate our entire society. Yep. Like we've got one parent at home yep, and mm-hmm. we've got one parent working in Correct. out of the home. Mm-hmm. And yep. I don't know a single full-time job that lets you start at nine 30 and leave at two 30. Yeah. But how else would you ever possibly that's if your kid doesn't need a lunch, if mm-hmm. they don't need to get picked up for track, if there isn't a field trip, even all that stuff aside, we simply have created, uh, an oxymoronic situation mm-hmm. that is untenable for 99. I pulled that number out of my butt, but yeah. I mean, 90% of people probably more, I don't know, but a oh. lot. And yeah. I can, I can tell you as a former teacher. So my husband and I used to be high school teachers. We were both high school teachers. And guys, one of the reasons why I chose to be a teacher when I was like, you know, 16 and I decided my career path, cause that's when we do this sort of thing here, um, was around this idea of like, my works, my kid's school schedule. And so I would be able to like drop them off, pick them up, blah, blah, blah. Nope. No, no. <laughs> nope. That doesn't work. I no, can it tell doesn't you at all. <laughs> that teachers have to be at school early. They have to stay late. Right. I never got to go to any of the daytime stuff, which meant perpetual disappointment on the case of my kids. Right. Yeah. So when I stopped teaching in schools, which was, I mean, a long time ago now, probably 10 years ago, Um, my kids were pretty young. And one of the major reasons why I initially I shifted from teaching in schools to teaching online was so that I would have that actual flexibility to be able Mm -hmm. to go and do that Mm -hmm. stuff. Right. And -hmm. again, I recognize like having chosen a profession where I could sort of finagle it in such a way to be able to work it out is a privilege, but also that was really intentional. I was like, no, man, this is not working. Like I get one shot at these kids. Mm -hmm. I want to be, I want to go to the you know, <laughs> 11 o'clock. Pirates the musical. Exactly. The 1 p.m. showing. Right. The one literally exactly. just had this back and forth yesterday, my husband and I. Yeah. The Christmas, yeah. the Christmas, you know, choral sing that's at 10 a.m. Right. on a Thursday. Yeah. You know, because and, and get there early because getting seats is tricky. <laughs> Very much well, so. Well, and I can tell you, I am the daughter. Both of my parents were in education growing up. My dad was a uh, elementary school principal and my mom was an elementary school teacher. And I absolutely spent as much time before and after school in my mom's classroom as I spent in my own classroom. Oh, oh my yeah. gosh. I bet. Uh, yeah. I bet. I bet. We had to do before and after school care for our kids as long as that was what was going on. It's, um, 
you know, I do think that this really, what you said there, Annika is really correct. You know, basically if you are in a situation where you're either in a single parent household or a double parent household who doesn't have that kind of like job flexibility, that probably excludes your kid from being able to do some stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And ultimately that's not the child's fault. The child probably would love to do X, Y, Z, but they just can't get there. Or, you know, maybe there's not a way for their parents to be able to afford to pay for whatever, even if the kid is maybe really talented, maybe you've got a kid who's like really musically gifted, but they can't actually afford, you know, outside of school lessons or musical theater or anything like that. And I mean, there's so much research around the benefits of kids being involved in extracurricular activities, especially Mm -hmm. group extracurricular activities. There's so much that goes into learning way outside of whether they win or not. Mm -hmm. Right. They learn how to lose. They learn how to work together. They learn how to literally fall down and get back up. They learn how to accept criticism and critique and coaching. Mm -hmm. You know, they learn how to work at something for a long time over a long period of time towards a goal that they may or may not achieve. Right. They, Mm -hmm. they learn discipline. They learn how to work a schedule, how to balance stuff, you know, like with our daughter, she was offered to audition for a youth choir out here as well. So she, my daughter sings, she does musical theater. She's going to quit dance this year because that's fine. She does basketball and volleyball in school. And she did city basketball this year. And she was also offered to get a spot in a uh, youth choir. And she was like, mom, I don't know if I can do it. I got too much going on. Mm-hmm. Right. And I was kind of mm-hmm. like, well, I mean, I know how much the commitment will be. So I'm sort of like, uh, eh, we could probably work it out, but this is kind of part of the thing. Right. So that as an adult, she learns her capacity, right? Mm-hmm. You know what? I know that I don't have what I need for that right now. Yeah, totally. I wish I was better at that. I wish well, I had somebody helping me with that when I was kid's age. <laughs> I know. And so it's, you know, there's, there's so much that goes into it, but again, there's a lot of kids that just don't have access to it. You know, I've said in previous episodes, you know, when we're talking about ways of, of, of being helpful in our communities to sort of offer community care a very simple, if this is accessible to you, sort of way to support probably a kid in your community is to see if whatever it is that your kid is, you know, engaged in music, dance, track, cheer, basketball, doesn't matter what it is. If they have a little scholarship program, Mm -hmm. you know, for kids who have talent and want to do this, but maybe can't afford it or can't afford all the fees, or they could get like a partial discount or something like that. And sometimes it can be as easy as like 10 bucks a month. Like, you know, if that's accessible to you or amenable to you. Right. Um, and conversely, if those things aren't accessible to you, look into that and ask those questions rather than just, you know, saying no to your kid and breaking your own heart. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Totally. Mm -hmm. There's no, there's no shame in, in asking, Mm -hmm. you know, if they don't have it, then they don't have it. But if they do, then maybe that's a, maybe that's a thing for you. Anyways, Jenny, I'm glad that you guys made it through assessments because assessments are stressful. <laughs> well, and I mean, talk about privilege. We were there five, six days a week mm-hmm. doing extra classes, extra this, extra mm-hmm. that. And like, not because they were free extra no. classes. <laughs> and that honestly, it took, we are dependent on having two parents available yeah. in the evenings about five days a week because yeah, otherwise I have to drive. Um, my three-year-old everywhere. And then she falls asleep in the car at 5 PM and that's yep. hell on earth for everybody yep. at bedtime. Right. Ain't nobody, so... ain't nobody need a 5 PM car nap. 
No. <laughs> right? So like we need two parents in our house actually to tackle it all. Yeah. Um, okay. I have a question for you and I feel like Annika is going to have some good witchy answers for this, but <laughs> Okay. So when we talk about like Lee did a great job with boundary setting in terms of like bandwidth and what bandwidth could, or her capacity she had in terms of, um, you know, the news. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was like, you know, I actually love me. And this is where, you know, wellness world ties in. I love some random wellness world stuff when I'm trying to like Zen, <laughs> I love me a good guided meditation, mm-hmm. zero harm in a good guided meditation. No, they're great. Right? So good. Um, I genuinely love exercise. Um, and there's so much research for exercise, but not like, because my body's a temple and all this stuff, but because like, um, I don't know. I just like, it's good for like getting out angst Mm -hmm. (laughs) and just all the good things. Um, Annika, I feel like you mentioned some really sweet witchy things that made you happy. Mm -hmm. I really love um, Oracle cards. I really love Oracle mm, and cards. Yeah, I do. Yeah. I, t- I love a pretty deck and I, I use, you know, it's journal prompts for me. Mm-hmm. I think it, it like everything else, it's, you know, easy to get a place where that's problematic. But, oh, sure. Um, you know, I, I love to be able to introspect and reflect. And I have a hard time doing that on my own because as a Pisces, my brain will just like liquefy into everything (laughs) where like, I actually really like the structure of like, let me think about this and let me reflect on this. Um, And I really like pretty rocks. I literally have two like sitting on the top of my computer right now. (laughs) I really like crystals. I really do. I think they're really pretty. I think they like bring me a big sense of calm. I have a few that I will like Sometimes I'll use this on my throat before I speak. (laughs) It's my big blue throat chakra rock. But like, again, for me, these things bring me peace and joy and centering. Um, And you're not taking them literally. You're not like, I didn't use my throat chakra crystal. I'm going to have a terrible presentation. It's going to be a bad day. Yeah. And you're not like flipping through your Oracle cards and being like, it's not going to happen because. Or the you're not answer looking for said, some... I pulled a nine of wands. Oh no. Well, you're not looking for like a profound deep meeting from the card. Mm-hmm. You're kind of, it helps you sort of like focus because you probably close your eyes and like take some breaths and like pick a card. Totally. And then it just gives you something to actually focus and think on versus looking for profound answers or like deep guidance. The answer. Right? The, oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. And that's where it's problematic, but like all yeah. of this stuff, even in its, um, like it's stuff that has like literally zero, um, evidence to support efficacy mm-hmm. can right. be so calming and lovely. It doesn't mean this doesn't, harm. this pretty rock in my throat doesn't feel good. Even if science yeah. isn't like, there's a direct correlation between this. Yeah. I, I don't always need, I don't always need that. Sometimes no. I just need something that makes me feel yeah. good. Yeah. I mean, totally. I'm sure, I'm sure that there is, I mean, well, I like- and there's a lot of stuff we don't know. I, I am just going to open it up with that. There's tons sure. of stuff that we don't know and we haven't looked at and there has been lots of research that indicates that ritual and routine mm. are good for people, mm-hmm. right? It results in exactly what Annika just talked about, a sense of calm, a sense of introspection, a, a spaciousness, a little bit of grounding, you know, a little bit of purposefulness and a, a little bit of structure within a day that is not ex- necessarily externally dictated right? Mm -hmm. It becomes something that you know is good for you that brings you joy or peace or contentment. And those things are really important, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, Annika holding her big blue rock to her throat after she pulled some angel cards and like, I don't know, tapped on her third eye, like get after it. Good for you. That's great. The problem comes 
when if she doesn't do those things, it now necessarily means she's going to have a disaster of a day Mm -hmm. or because she does those things, she is now better than someone else or has got her shit together more than somebody else does. Or, or everybody needs to do that. Everybody because, needs to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. Or that you don't need to seek professional right help or support. Right? right. Like if you're anxious and like I'm saying clinically, like you are anxious, like not like like actually what the word means. Not 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 situationally anxious. Not situationally. Like I'm worried about my kids' having, cheer tryout. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, if you have, I don't know, that can feel like real anxiety. Um, but no, sorry, I shouldn't joke about that. But if you're experiencing a true mental health diagnosable situation, leaning only on, um, you know, things that don't have evidence can, can be harmful. Right. And I think that's the difference, right? If you are somebody who is feeling a bit, and I feel like overwhelms a word that gets really, um, overused within the wellness space because it's one, it's not a medical diagnosis. So it's a word that gets mm-hmm. used a lot by people yeah. that, um, are cognizant of language around the FDA and whatnot. Well, and it feels, I think for a lot of people, a lot of people wouldn't say I feel anxiety, but what they're feeling yeah. is anxiety. We've just agreed to call it overwhelm. A little yeah. Bit, we've right? just named it something else because it yeah. feels more socially acceptable. Totally. Right, right. Right. And I think it's important to note that if you are somebody who finds peace with your blue sh- throat chakra crystal, and it genuinely just brings you peace, that's freaking amazing. Good job. But if it doesn't bring you peace, there's really no shame in, you know, seeking professional, you know, guidance that will actually bring you peace. Or being like that blue rock on my shelf looks real pretty. Yeah. I like like it it. for. I like looking (laughs) at it. I like my, I like my blue wall rock. Yeah. It's interesting, Jenny, that you brought up the, like me setting a boundary for this week. So just so Mm -hmm. there's a little bit of background on this. Um, So I've said this before. I have chronic vertigo. I have something called vestibular neuronitis. In fact, I just found a new vestibular physiotherapist. I'm going to go see next week. Woot. Cool. Very excited about that slash. It's probably gonna be terrible. And I'll tell you all about it, but I'm excited <laughs> that there's somebody who's a specialist out here around it. Um, and I have been dealing with it for eight years. It's a really long time. And it very much affects my ability to uh, function in my body in different ways at different times. Um, and I've had two significant vertigo flares in the last several years. Uh, one I'm in right now. And the other one happened, uh, directly after the U S election in 2020. And I woke up on what day is it today? Tuesday. So like, when was it last week? Like Thursday or Wednesday? I forget. No, no. It must've been like Friday or Saturday. I forget. I think it was Friday. Cause yeah. yeah, I feel like it was Friday. So I woke up on Friday and my vertigo was bad, like room spinning, can't settle, nearly throwing up, covered head to toe, full sweats, like super bad. And it's not usually that bad. I can sort of function most of the time. And I was just like, what the fuck? Like, why is this happening now? And what I realized is that the last time it was this bad, right after the U.S. election, I had spent the whole week leading up to, you know, Biden being declared as the president, morbidly, obsessively consuming all the content on the actual planet as to Mm -hmm. where this election was going to go and everything that was going wrong with it and right with it. And, you know, the stop, the what if, what if, what if, what if, what if, what if. Totally. Mm-hmm. I lived in perpetual what ifness in us about something that I literally can 
have, I have nothing to do with the U S I'm not an American citizen. I can't mm-hmm. vote there, but I was like completely basically in this really unhealthy codependent relationship around my sense of internal safety around what the fuck the U S was going to do as far as a president. Now, does that actually, is that actually a good thing for me? No, but for whatever reason, I was completely consumed. Two days later, I woke up terrible, terrible vertigo lasted for two weeks. Like to the point where like, I really could only talk to people for like 10 minutes because then I couldn't really talk to them anymore. Cause I was just, it was ugh. sensorily it was too hard. I woke up on Friday, same thing. Well, what did I do from Wednesday? I consumed the content about that horrific shooting in Uvalde, Texas, uh, con- con- you know, compulsively, uh, for like two days. And then I woke up and again, I was just in full spins. Now I can't say, uh, you know, unequivocally that me deciding to consume without uh, boundary, my own boundaries, um, things that are completely horrific, totally scary. And that I have no way of contributing to in a positive sense, because it's not my country. It's not my gun laws. It's not my president. It's not my, any of these things on some level exacerbates this neurological thing that I already have going, right? Mm -hmm. We know that stress creates inflammation. The quickest thing, the quickest link that I can sort of hypothesize on, because again, I'm not a neuroscience, but scientist, but is that the amount of inflammation I was creating in my body from the amount of stress from the content I was creating resulted in this vertigo situation. So as per my beginning of my conversation around settled central nervous systems, You know, one of the things I've done a lot of work on over the last several years is boundaries. You know, like I had real poor boundaries for (laughs) the vast majority of my life and, uh, I'm much better at it. It is also way easier to have boundaries when you speak them to people like Jenny and Annika and they go, yeah, man, I gotcha. Thanks for speaking your boundary. I totally respect it. Um, but I just sort of realized like, I can't, I can't do this. I can't read these things. I can't have this conversation anymore. I can't talk about it. I care literally so much, like so much. And also I'm not a U.S. citizen. (laughs) So all I can do is sort of watch from afar. I think that when it comes to really deeply caring for ourselves in a way that allows us to participate in community in a caring and helpful way, Mm -hmm. recognizing the things that then allow us to be able to have the capacity and bandwidth to do so is really important, right? So if Annika is like, you know, smudging her office and pulling some angel cards and throwing, holding rocks on her throat, and Jenny is pelotoning at 5 a.m. and taking her dog for a walk, and then like, you know, video recording uh, a race for a mom who can't be there, and that does goodness for her. One of the things that did goodness for me this week was speaking that boundary, literally muting so much on my social media. So it was like, right back to just English gardens and knitting. That's my whole social media basically right now. And that's what I did. I decided to start knitting a new sweater because knitting is very meditative for me. I baked like crazy on Sunday. I baked two loaves of bread, a batch of scones, a batch of uh, roasted rhubarb. And I feel like something else. And these are all things that allowed me to sort of remind myself that the world is safe and good and beautiful. Those are the things that I need in order to feel good in my body and settled in my body and have a settled central nervous system, safe and good and beautiful. Well, and I think Lee, you make such a good point because, you know, 
as much as it's like, yes, you, you know, you're not a neuroscientist. It, maybe no. it was that, maybe it wasn't, but the end result is it actually doesn't matter because no, that's it how matter. it showed up in your body. Right. Very like, much so. Yeah. I think that piece is sometimes missing or like hard to find the center of because it's mm-hmm. like only listen to your body all the time. Mm-hmm. Fuck science. <laughs> Or like your body doesn't know anything if science hasn't confirmed it, where actually neither of those are true. It's almost like there's a middle ground on that one. Weird. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you're totally right. Thank you for, thank you for sort of uh, speaking that. I mean, I am in the land of like, if there's not a study to back it up, (laughs) then we're not even talking about it. Right. Cause I'm doing my master's degree. So of course my brain right now is a little bit in like leaning on the science land, but I also like, I don't need a paper to tell me that when I sit down and like, listen to like an audiobook or listen to the really... Bridgerton soundtrack and learn how to knit socks a hundred percent. Then my body is like, by the way, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Bridgerton soundtrack. Thank you. Learning to knit socks. Thank you. Lovely, delicious wool thinking is thank you. Sitting outside and just like listening to the birds in the trees. Like I don't need a study to tell me that that's good for me. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think this is the part of the podcast where we do something different. And that is, we're not going to tell anybody what they should do. No. And we're not going to even give any <laughs> suggestions. We're literally just saying, yeah. or Lee, yeah. setting a boundary about stuff she's consuming and then like turning into an 89 year old hermit yes, was extremely helpful yes. in regulating your central nervous system. I am the best 44 year old old lady you've ever met. Oh, and for <laughs> I'm me, very good at it. I love listening to these yogis. They're Peloton yogis. So they're probably not like real yogis. Let's be very clear there. Yeah. Do these um, guided meditations because I do not do yoga. I can't, when they sit and they cross their legs, I'm like, God, that looks uncomfortable. Like that's <laughs> a lot of stretching sitting cross-legged for me. So like, and I like to go like outside or whatever. And mm-hmm. that's works for me. Does it work for other people? I don't know. Maybe mm-hmm. it doesn't really matter because I think there's so much of, Hey, this works for me. Therefore it's going to work for everybody and And everyone should be doing it. And I'm going to monetize it and coach you through it. And then the the cost of my course will be $444 and 44 cents. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Angel numbers for sure. And I think it's just, there's what's the take home is really that if there are things that you do in your life that help you feel good and regulate your nervous system, i.e. feel more relaxed and less stressed out. Those are good things for you to do the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, also, and, and, and if you don't know what those things are to explore some things that, that it could be, cause I think totally. a lot of times we get so absorbed that it's like, yeah, I don't even know, you know, I'll tell you one thing. It's definitely not scrolling on your phone. Yeah. Zero people never. ever report feeling <laughs> relaxed and calm from scrolling no. <laughs> on their phone. So don't try that. That's not a don't do that. Thanks so much for listening to meet me in the middle. We really appreciate your support. And if you could do us a big favor and subscribe and share this podcast, it would mean the world to us.